um, and giving to the Lord, really. Well, like I said, uh, it's my privilege to be able to share God's Word with you this morning. And uh, as I was really praying and, and seeking the Lord, uh, Lord, what would you have to share? Um, God put a, a message in my heart that uh, I think we can all kind of relate to, you know. Uh, how many people have remember the old movie, Karate Kid? I know there's a new one that's come out, the old movie. What's, you, you remember the famous line from Mr. Miyagi? that He would say, you know, he had like the wax on, wax off, right? And he's talking to Daniel. And what does he tell Daniel? Focus, Daniel, son. Focus. Right? And I'm a little disappointed in the new movie, um, the, the, I guess in the new Karate Kid, I haven't seen it, but uh, in the new Karate Kid, instead of Japan, it's China. Um, instead of Mr. Miyagi, it's Mr. Han. And so there's no focus, Daniel, son. Focus. You know. Uh, but it's just amazing to me, all the movies that are being redone, you know. And, and I was thinking about that movie and, and that famous line, focus, Daniel, son. Focus. And uh, I was thinking about how many different ways that really applies to life, doesn't it? I mean, there are so many situations in life uh, where we need to remember focus um, and to keep our focus on, on different things. And today I want to talk about great expectations. Great expectations. We've all probably experienced uh, somebody expecting something from you, right? They expected you to act a certain way. They expected you to do things a certain way. If you've ever been a new parent, you have really experienced the pressures of, of the wealth of opinions uh, that are given you. I remember when Julie and I uh, first had Joseph. Let me back up. Before we even had Joseph, people knew that we had been trying to, to have, have a child for a while, and, and we had been trying for a little while. And so we would get all kinds of advice. People, well, here's what you got to do, and here's, you know, here's how it works. And I'm thinking, I, I kind of know how it works, you know, I that's not the hard part, um, you know, but they're giving you all kinds of advice. If you, here's, if you eat this, you know, medicine or you, this herb or you eat this, go on this diet or, you know, if you go to this place or drink this kind of water, or, you know, it's, it's like I, I don't have the hiccups, okay? We, we're, we're just trying to get pregnant, you know, and, and then she did get pregnant. It was amazing and a miracle and because we, we've been trying for like four years and, um, and, and just, uh, you know, miraculously and naturally she got pregnant. It was wonderful. And, um, and so then there was all kinds of opinions and, about what to do, and, and here's what you should eat and what you shouldn't eat, and, and here's, you know, here's how you have to exercise or don't exercise too much, and you know, all the different opinions and expectations of all these things you should do. You know, uh, some people are saying, you know, oh, yeah, you should work right up until you have the baby. It'll keep you healthy and strong, and other people are saying, oh, you've got to stay in bed the whole time and whatever. You know? and, then we, and then, oh, my goodness, once you have the baby, it's like the floodgates open. And everybody has an opinion, you know. I mean, it's grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles and brothers and friends. And, and everybody means well, but Julie and I just begin to feel this weight of all these opinions and advice of what we should and shouldn't do and expectations, if you will, of, of how you're supposed to raise your child and how you should, you know, what are the benchmarks and when they should be on a bottle, when they shouldn't be at, you know, on a bottle. And and what temperature the bottle should be at. It, you know, just, it goes on and on and on, doesn't it, right? And those expectations can kind of become uh, kind of a weight sometimes, right? 
And after a while, people are coming up to us saying, hey, you know, just here's something to remember. You know, your baby looks cold and you should do this. And we would just smile and say, thank you. That's great advice. We'll, we'll consider that, you know. And, uh, and what else are you going to do, you know? But sometimes the expectations that are put on us are um, sometimes even heavier than just advice about how to care for your baby and whatnot. And, and let me just say, you know, we didn't tune out all your advice, okay? <laughs> Some of you are thinking, well, that's the last time I give him advice. <laughs> you know, much of the advice we've received from family and friends has been very, very good, and, and uh, we've taken it to heart. But, you know, sometimes people put expectations on you from different sources that can become quite a weight and quite a burden to carry. Um, if you are working and you have an employer, or even if you're self-employed, you've experienced the expectations of somebody else over you. You have an employer, of course, they have expectations for you of how to do your job, what it should look like. But your other employees that you work with may have expectations of pulling your own weight and, and how you should do things and what's appropriate and what's not. You know, all the unwritten rules of how to do things. There's maybe expectations that go even further about how to keep your job, how to grow your business, how to how to make it more successful. You know, what does success look like in, in that field? You know, how do you keep your job? What does it take? And what are the expectations if you're going to keep your job uh, wherever you are? Keeping up with other employees and keeping up with, you know, uh, with what they're doing and not looking bad around them and all these different things. And sometimes those expectations, even the ones that may be very appropriate and good, can become heavy, can become a weight. You'd be like, man, if I... I just don't know what to do. I feel like I make one mistake and they could kick me out the door. Or, you know, my other, my other people I work with, they have all these expectations and some of it I don't even agree with. I don't even think is right or ethical. But yet there's these expectations of this is how you do business and this is how the, the field is and this is how it works. And you're thinking there's got to be something different. You know, we have expectations that come on us from our families. Our our kids expect things of us. They expect you to be a certain kind of dad, a certain kind of mom to do certain things. Why aren't you as cool as, as so-and-so's mom or so-and-so's dad lets us do all this stuff? How come, you know, you don't let us do all that? Or my friend has a cell phone, you know. How come I don't have a cell phone? Because you're four. You don't need one. Right? Man. And there's expectations on parents. And, 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 you, and it's, you love your kids. And so you feel that because you want to be a good dad. You want to be a good mom. And if we're really honest, I think a lot of us would agree that, you know, maybe we wouldn't admit it out loud. But we want to be as cool as the mom next door. You know, we want to be as fun as the dad on, down the block, right? We don't want to be known by all our kids' friends as the bummer dad, as the, the dork dad. That's going to be my fate, unfortunately, but... But, you know, you know we, don't, we don't want that. We want our kids to be proud of us, right? And so there's expectations there. And that, but those expectations can sometimes become quite heavy to bear. We have expectations from our spouses, right? Your husband, your wife expects you to act a certain way, to do certain things. You know, and, and it goes beyond just, you know, honey, please roll the toothpaste from the bottom. Don't squeeze it in the middle. Turn the toilet paper the other way. You know, please put the seat down. But some of the expectations are much bigger than that, aren't they? Expectations about 
you know, what kind of person we are and how we spend our time, you know, and how we do things as a family, how we approach our family, how we approach spiritual headship of our family, how we approach, um, you know, respecting and loving our spouse, and how you, how, it, how you do that, what that looks like. There's expectations that our spouses have of, you know, this is how I receive love, you know, like the love languages. And, th- and some of those expectations are very good and appropriate, but sometimes they can become such a weight, especially when you begin to feel like your spouse wants you to be somebody that you're not. And maybe they do, maybe they don't. But for whatever reason, you have that sense of expectation on you. And that can be so hard. If you're a single mom or a dad, the expectations for you are doubled, aren't they? Because you have to do the job of a mom and a dad. So that weight can become so heavy and so difficult to bear. And if that wasn't enough, we have expectations from society, don't we, right? Expectations about how our family should operate, about what kind of activities our kids should be involved in, what kind of sports and things they should be involved in, what our finances should look like, how our finances operate as a family, um, what kind of things that we own, the appearance that we keep up in front of others, uh, the image that we keep up personally around others, you know, all of those things, the way that we dress, even the way we do our hair, the, all of the, there's expectations uh, for all of these things, and it and it's constantly compounds and multiplies and and builds on us and it becomes this weight that just feels like it's just pressing you down. These great expectations that you feel like I just can't, I just can't meet all of it. And the fact is, you may find yourself drowning. You may feel like this morning, some of you, I'm drowning in a sea of expectations. That I just can't meet them all. And it feels like the harder you try and the harder you go after it and the more you try to please everybody and the more you try to do everything the way it's, that's just right, you feel like this, it's like quicksand. The more you struggle, you just feel the, the deeper I'm getting. Some of you this morning are, are here and you're not sleeping well at night. You have headaches all the time. It's affecting your health because you worry and you have far too much. You're worried and anxious about things that you know are out of your control. And yet, listen here, how many can, don't raise your hand, but how many can relate to this? Things that you know are out of your control, but yet some, for some reason, you feel like you've got to control it anyway. And if asked, you would admit, I know I can't do anything about it. I can't control that other person. I can't make them choose what they should. I can't do it. You know, I, I, I can't please that person. But yet somehow, for some reason, you feel like you have to. And so the more you struggle, the deeper you get. Life seems chaotic, out of control, restless, and worst of all, some of you this morning are sitting here and you have absolutely no peace. There's just a restlessness inside that you have a hard time explaining. Fortunately for you and I, God gives us a way to diagnose what our problem is. And it comes from his word. If you have your Bibles this morning, would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And let's pray over the word. Heavenly Father, I just ask in these next last few moments we have together, Lord, your word would become alive, that your spirit would illuminate the scripture to our heart and mind and give us understanding. 
And Lord, that the seeds planted this morning would go deep into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Start in verse 24. Chapter 9, verse 24 says, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will last, will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul is saying here that there's something we're all running after. There's no doubt that all of us have something that we're running after, right? But you know what? question is, are you running after the right thing? There's things that we all are going and chasing after, you know, how, however we are defining success or however we're de defining a, a healthy family or however we define, you know, that, that image in our mind, that, that picture, if you will, of what a perfect family looks like. And we're chasing after that and going after that. And, and we're chasing it. We're running after something. But are we running after the right thing? For a lot of us, our problem is that we tend to run through life without any real clear direction. We're doing what Paul describes here in chapter 9 is running aimlessly. We're just kind of running. Where are you going? I don't know, but i got to get there quick. And maybe you've met people like this. They're just they're busy, 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 going, 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 going. I just want to ask them, why are you so busy? What is so urgent? Well, I don't know. I just, it's just got a lot to do. But why is it important? You know, why are you running? Are you running after the right things? There's no question that life involves having a goal in mind and going after it with tenacity and with perseverance. But we've got to make sure we're going after the right thing. Suppose you, you're supposed to meet some friends in Detroit. You're going to meet up with them, and you get in your car, and you're headed out to Detroit to meet your friends. But instead of heading on, what would that be, 96, going east, you end up going on 131 and you're headed to Kalamazoo. And you look at your GPS, you have a little, little Tom Tom in the dashboard, and sure enough, you're heading south on 131, you know, you're going down toward Kalamazoo and you've way past your exit to get off and head toward Detroit. And you know where you are? You know right where you are in the map. You can tell anyone where you are. The only problem is you're still lost because you're not going in the right direction. And for some of us, we're chasing after an image that God hasn't defined for us of what a perfect family looks like, of what success looks like, of what, how our lives should appear to others. And we have this image and this picture that we're running after, but you know what? We're lost. Even though we know what we're running after, we're lost because we're not, it's not the right goal. You know? We may know where we're at in the jungle, but the problem is we're in the wrong jungle. Right? We're lost, if that's you. So are you chasing the right goal? 
Verse 25 through 27 said, Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. We've got to focus on the right goals. And when we focus on the right goals, focus on the right goals will bring right results every time. When you focus on the right goals, it will bring the right results. The way to get there, Paul says, is through discipline. He beats his body. He makes his body his slave. He says, body and mind, you will submit to what the Lord has said is true and to God's word. And that's the picture that I need to pursue. That's the thing that I have to chase after. That's the, whatever your word says for my family, for my life, for success, for my future, that's got to be my goal. Lord, whatever you have given me, to go after. That's what it's got to be. It doesn't matter what other people think. It doesn't matter what they say. I'm going to chase after you. Just like Mr. Miyagi said, it's so true. Focus. Focus, Daniel-san. We've got to focus on the right things. But if you're like me, maybe you're kind of asking this question now. Okay, so, okay, that's great. Oh, good. Okay, we're going to chase after the right thing. We're going to go after the right goals. We're going to make sure that what I'm going after is, is the right direction and I'm heading the right way. How do I know what the right direction is? I mean, how do I, how do I know if the goals that I have are, are right? I want to give you very quickly three principles from God's Word. Two principles, sorry. The first one is the durability test. This is how you can test if what you're going after is, uh, is a healthy, God-given thing to chase. The durability test. Does it have eternal value? Ask yourself that question. Whatever it is you define as success, whatever it is you define as a great dad or a great mom, whatever, it, whatever your activities do, whatever, however you define these things, does it have an eternal value? If we go back a few chapters to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13, Paul is talking to the Corinthians and he's explaining uh, to the Corinthians here, a principle that applies to any goal in life. He's talking about himself as an example of building uh, the church up in Corinth and, and the work that he did there, but, but that's his personal example. And he gives us a principle to apply to anything that we're chasing after. And he says in verse 13, His work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. See, your work, as you build your family, as you build your career, as you build your business, as you build your income, as, as you build uh, your life in all its different facets, will be tested. And only what has eternal kingdom value is what will remain. Is it important for your kids to get a great education and go to college and do all those things? I believe it is. But is that where the eternal value is? Is that the most important thing? Should all my energy be put in doing whatever it takes to get my kid in the best college that he can possibly get in? No, no. Please hear me. I am not saying anything about attending good colleges and doing the best that you can. 
But is that the number one? Is that the eternal value? Is, am I going to stand before God and he's going to say, good job, my faithful servant. You went to Cornell. Wow. You were a Harvard grad. No. Right? Because that, that in and of itself doesn't have eternal value. Am I going to stand before God and he's going to say, Mark, well done. You're a church exceeded the capacity of the building and you had to build a bigger and greater and newer church and your light and tech equipment was state of the art. Good job! Enter into my kingdom. No. But if I invest myself in reaching people and touching lives and seeing people come to Christ, then I believe there'll be a far greater reward. Isn't that right? So the eternal value test, the durability test. Are you pursuing a goal that represents a crown that will last forever, like 1 Corinthians 9 said? Is what you're pursuing represent a crown that will last forever? Is being the coolest dad or the funnest dad or the coolest mom, is that a crown that will last forever? No. Give yourself the durability test. The second test is the stewardship test. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 1, it says, So then men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose, listen to this, expose the motives of men's hearts. At that time, each will receive his praise from God. See, God doesn't even necessarily always look at what the results are. He looks at the motive of our hearts. Are you pursuing what is in God's heart? The things that you're investing, the kind of parent you want to be, the kind of employee that you want to be, the kind of employer that you want to be. All of these things, are, you, are your motives in line with God's word? Are you being the kind of person God wants you to be? Are you pursuing his character? Remember the parable of the talents Jesus told? Right? He gave some uh, five, another two, and another one. Gave him some money, right? And were they judged according to how well they could protect and hold on to that money? No. They were judged according to their ability to follow the master's intentions, which was to multiply it. So the one who earned, had five earned five more, and he was rewarded. The one who had two to start off with earned two more, and the master was pleased with him. He didn't earn five more. He only earned two more. But you know what? He followed the master's instructions. The, the quantity wasn't the point. But the one who was given one, what did he do? He buried it. Knowing that his master was a hard man, sowing where he, or reaping where he did not sow, right? He buried it in the ground, knowing that his master fully expected him to do something with that money and to multiply it. At least put it in the bank and get interest, right? But he didn't do any of that. He buried it. He ignored what he knew was his master's direction. He was not a good steward. 
If someone's, I, we used to have back in Minnesota a uh, financial advisor that we used. And we would send money, and he would invest it, and we would get reports about how those investments were doing. But what if I were to meet with my financial advisor and I'd say, I'd like to know how the money I've given you, how it's doing, and, you know, if it's multiplying and all of that, right? And he says, well, you know, um, <laughs> I really appreciate you sending me the money. Uh, man, I had a great dinner last night. It was awesome. And uh, I've been to Starbucks every single day this month. It's been awesome. And I just really appreciate that, uh, that gift, right? Well, that guy's not going to be working for me too long, and he's probably going to end up in jail. Because he's been, he's been given a trust. He hasn't been given a loan or even a gift, right? I didn't give it to him to, to do what he wants. I gave it to him with, the, with a instruction. Multiply this money. Invest it. You know, I trust you to invest it where you, seem, where you deem appropriate. But in the end, that financial advisor was hired, if you will, to, to follow my directions, right? To follow, you know, my desire to, to invest this money and to have it grow, right? It wasn't a loan just to do whatever he wants. Our children, our job, our spouse, guess what? They don't belong to us. Your money, the money in your savings account, in your checking account, in your retirement account, Guess what? I have news. This may shock some of you, so hold, hold on to your seat. It doesn't belong to you. Your job isn't yours. And so if you, if you lose it for no fault of your own, that's okay. It wasn't your job. It was a job God had given you and trusted to you for a season, and he's going to give you something else to entrust you with too. You will. The money in your checkbook, that's not yours. It's God's. And you know what? He can take it anytime he wants. He doesn't need your permission. Bam, like that. Ask Job. It's in the Bible. It's a crazy story. God takes everything from this man. His home, his health, everything. God, God, or I should say God allows everything to be taken from him. He's left with nothing. And here's the crazy part. Job asks God, why? Why have you done this? And God doesn't give him a long compassionate explanation. God says, Job, I'm God. I'm paraphrasing, but I'm God. Who are you to question me? I will do what I want. And I don't owe you an answer. That may seem cruel to some of us because we live in a society that's so full. We want our rights and we want, you know, we, we need our, we demand our rights and, and all these things that we think we deserve and we kind of, even myself, I'll admit, we live in an entitlement kind of world in America here. But we don't see that in God's word. All that we have has been entrusted to us. The Father is saying, here, here's, some, here's a child. His name's Joseph Mark Kelleher. And I know he looks like you. And he came from your wife's womb. But he doesn't belong to you. He belongs to me. I'm trusting him with you for you to raise him as I would, for you to teach him to follow me and serve me all of his life. I'm trusting you now. Here. The Lord is saying, here's the job. I'm trusting you with this. I want you to glorify me there. Your boss is mean. Your boss is cruel. Your boss doesn't understand. He's, that's okay. I want you to glorify me there because you're not working for him or her. You're working for me. Bible says in Colossians 3, work, everything you do, work as working unto the Lord. You know all that money you have? Even if it's not a lot, you think, what money, Lord? 
That'd be nice. Even the little bit. The Lord is saying, it's not yours. It's mine. But I'm going to entrust it to you, and I'd like you to multiply and use it and invest it in things that have eternal value. Now, I know you need to pay your bills and all that, and, and that's great. Do all that. And it's okay to, it's okay to you know, get some things that are fun. and not a, I don't think God's against those things. But the point is, is our, do we look at it as ours or do we look at it, the things that we have as being a trust? And God makes it very clear through the words of Paul, those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. We're going to be held accountable. We're going to stand before God, not in judgment for sin that was taken care of at the cross, but we will stand before God. And I believe all of our works will be tested what has eternal value will be rewarded for. And what we've been good stewards with will be rewarded for. And what we've squandered and wasted and the things that we built into our lives that we put so much time and so much energy in that really had no eternal value, those things won't help us at all and they won't get us anywhere. And for some, you may find yourself in the position that Paul describes in chapter 3 as he himself who will be saved, but only as one who barely escaped the flames. I hope that's not us. I hope that's not you or me. I don't want to stand before God and barely making it in with the flames of hell licking at my feet. I want to come before the Lord and be able to lay at his feet the works that I did for him with motives that were pure, not to push myself up or promote myself, but what I did for the kingdom, what I invested in the kingdom relationally and personally and financially, how I used my talents. I want to leave you with two questions. What has God entrusted you with? And what are you doing with it? When you can answer those two questions, all the expectations, all the people's opinions begin to lift because now you have a goal that you can run after. And someone says, oh, you should not spend your money. That's a waste. Sending your money overseas, oh my, that is such a waste. Why are you doing that? And you can just let go of that expectation. It's water off a duck's back because you know you're focused on eternal kingdom things and what the Lord has put in front of you. And when people may criticize you, oh, your child needs to be involved in this club and in this sport, and your child needs to go to this college and do this, and your child needs to go do all these things and be a part of this and all that, you can say, you know what? Thanks, that's great advice. I'll take it to heart. Just smile and nod. Because you know in your heart you have a peace about the direction God has given you for your family, and you're headed there with all you got you know that it's more important that your kids serve the Lord than they attend a certain college than they be involved in every single sport. It's more important that your kids be in church than, than they be in every club and, and every little thing that there is to be involved in because you know it's important. And you're training your kids. That you know that no matter what, how your employer treats you, you know that no matter what they say you have to do to be successful, you know that you're going, your focus is on pleasing the Lord and you're working for Him. So all those expectations, high or low, they're water off a duck's back. Your focus is on working as unto the Lord. 
Your focus is on pleasing Him and Him alone. And when you do that, I tell you, there is so much peace and so much joy that comes into your heart because you've tuned out all the other voices. Other people's opinions and expectations, they change. They're always changing. And if you keep following them, you're going to be wandering all over aimlessly, like Paul says. You're going to be running aimlessly. But if you have your focus set on Christ, if you have your focus set on Him and what He has planned, and you look at what He's entrusted with to you, and you ask Him, Lord, how do you want me to use these things? How do you want me to use these talents? There are people today that are serving in churches and on worship teams that there is no doubt in my mind they could be famous, making tons of money. But they turn it down. Why? Because they're being faithful to where God has told them to be. There are pastors in little churches and small communities of North Dakota. Churches that, you know, congregations that could, the entire congregation, if they all showed up, could fit in the first three rows. And they're amazing pastors that preach the word with boldness and courage and serve the Lord with faith and full of the Spirit. And they're being faithful. And it doesn't matter. They're not looking for the bigger church. They're not looking for the better deal, the better thing. Because all that matters is that I'm faithful with what God has entrusted to me. What has God entrusted you with? What people have he, has he put in your life? Where is your sphere of influence? What neighbors has he put in your life? He's entrusted those neighbors to you. What people has he put around you at work that he's entrusted in relationship to you, that he's put near you? At school, what is he entrusted with you? You have an opportunity for an education. What are you doing with it? Are you wasting it away at, at just showing up to high school doing the bare minimum? Or are you serving as serving the Lord? Working and doing your homework as working unto the Lord. Are you saying, I'm going to give it my all because God's entrusted me with this opportunity and I'm going to make the most of it for His glory. I'm going to honor Him. Whatever we do, we've got to prove faithful. What has God entrusted you with? When you put that as your focus and what His expectations are and you close your ears to all the other voices and you love your spouse as God intends and you love your, you love your kids as God intends and you pour yourself in to what God has said and into His Word and how, how, what it looks like to love them, there's peace that comes. Focus on the right goals brings the right results every time. Would the worship team come on up, please? This morning, I just want to encourage you. Families, single people, students. I want to challenge you to ask the question, what has God entrusted me with? Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's people, friends that you know. Maybe he's entrusted you with a job. Maybe he's entrusted you with however much or little, with money. Opportunities that he's put before you, that he's entrusted to you. What has God entrusted you with? And what are you doing about it? As a church, I believe God has entrusted us with a mission. You may see the, the signs out on the door, but hopefully you have one of these somewhere. I keep mine in my Bible. That's why it's all kind of folded up and get kind of tore up. 
Because I want to keep in mind, as a church, what is our mission? What are we going after? What is it that God has burned into our heart that he's entrusted to us? Let me just remind you and read this to you. Our mission, we are a spirit-filled church committed to glorifying God. How are we going to do that? By connecting the people of the lakeshore with God, with each other, and the world. You see, that's a mission that God has burned deep inside of our hearts. And what happens if all of us corporately get behind that and say, let's make that happen. There's the mission. Let's go after it. Let's connect the people of the lakeshore with God, with each other, in the world. We may not have the coolest lights. We may not have the biggest building. We may not have the biggest congregation. But we're, we have a goal we're going after. And you know what's so cool about God? Is as we're faithful to do what he's told us to do, he gives us more. Right? Just like the parable of the talents. The one who was faithful with five, he was given five more. And the one who was faithful with two, he was given two more. And as we're faithful to go after the mission that God has given us, guess what? All the other things will come. Right? We'll grow. We already have seen it. Many of you here have been a part of that, of God moving in your life, drawing you here. And it's only going to continue. And it's exciting. But our focus has to stay not on growing a building, but on reaching people, connecting people of the lakeshore with God, with each other, and the world. And as we do that, we'll accomplish our vision. Our vision is to be a healthy, multiplying church known for making an impact in our community and in the world. That's what this place will look like when we fulfill our mission, when we accomplish the goal. Great things are in store for us as a church. Great things are in store for you as a person and your family if you will focus on the right goals. But the first step in that, if you're going to have that focus and if you're going to learn what God expects from you and if you're going to put your energy into things that have eternal value, there's a step beforehand we have to back up for a second and take care of, and that is you've got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Without a, him being the leader of your life, putting him in the driver's seat, it, it's an effort in futility. So what I'd like for everyone just to bow your heads for a moment and close your eyes. Many of you this morning love the Lord, and you're serving the Lord, and He's the leader of your life. He's your master, your Lord, your Savior. And if that's if He's your master, your Lord, your Savior, you're, you honestly know that if you were to die today, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, there's no doubt in your mind, you would spend eternity with the Lord. If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand? Jesus is the leader of your life, and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Keep your hand up just for a moment, would you? Thank you. You can put your hand down. Some of you this morning were very honest, and you knew you couldn't raise your hand because Jesus is not the leader of your life. Just between you and the Lord, if that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand and say, the first time I, I couldn't, couldn't do it, honestly. Thank you. Thanks for that hand. Thank you. There's two. There's three. Thank you. There's another. Anyone else? You can put your hand down. Thank you. Anyone else say, I need to make Jesus the leader of my life? Maybe he was at one time, but since then you've decided to kind of take control again of the steering wheel. 
you need to rededicate your life to the Lord and make him the leader again, would you also just raise your hand just, just for a moment so I can see and I'd like to keep you in prayer and connect with you later. Praise the Lord. Would everybody stand with me this morning? Before we go any further, we need to take care of some business. And What I'd like to do this morning is, and maybe you've been a part of something similar, and maybe you've been in a service where they've done something like this, but I want to just lead you in a very simple prayer. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 9. It's that simple. Salvation isn't anything you can earn or deserve. The Bible says that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we're all in good company here. We've all messed up. We've all missed God's standard. But you know, the Lord also says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. You see, because we've not kept God's standard, and no one has, the price for that is death, eternal death, not just going into a grave, but eternal death in hell. God doesn't want anyone to hell. God didn't create hell for you or I. But you know, that is the place of eternal judgment. It's a reality, and I hate having to say that. But it's true. I wouldn't be honest if I didn't tell you. For those who have not put their faith in Christ, that is their eternity. Because that's the penalty. But the good news is the second half of that verse says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And whosoever, anyone, Whosoever believes in him shall not die, but have eternal life. And so this morning, I just want to lead you in a simple prayer where we admit that we've sinned and we're sinners, but that we accept, we accept what Jesus did on the cross, that he died, and we believe that he died for us. And we believe that by his death, we can be forgiven. And then we'll just pray simply that to accept Jesus to be the leader of our life, to confess him as our Lord. That means to be the leader of our life, to be in the driver's seat. So would you bow your head, everyone in this room? And I'm going to ask everybody to repeat after me, but especially those who raise their hands. I want you to, don't just say these words, but mean them from your heart. Here we go. Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I deserve hell. But I believe that you died for me and that through you my sins can be forgiven. Forgive me of my sin today and all my past sins. Come into my life and be the leader of my life. Be my Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Some others this morning, maybe there is some business you need to do with God. And there are some things that you want, that God needs to do in your life. Maybe you need to take some time this morning to ask those questions. What has God entrusted you with? And what does God expect?
And so we're just going to take just a couple of minutes, if that's okay. We're just going to take a couple of minutes to allow the Lord to look in our hearts and to listen. As we sing this song, ask the Lord, is there anything in my heart, Lord, that you need to deal with? The things that you've entrusted me with, am I following your expectations? Let's just take a moment, and maybe some of you this morning would like to receive prayer. Those of you who who, uh, raised your hand, I would love to pray with you. And so those of you that maybe someone next to you, you can just ask them, hey, would you like to go forward? I'd love to go with you. Maybe you can just ask that person next to you to come up forward with you. But maybe you need to just spend some time alone with God. Maybe you just would like some help as you begin your journey with the Lord. Whatever it is, the altars are open. And uh, let's just go after the Lord for a little bit together. Can we do that?